Come, Lord, be with us, be present. Change us and renew us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, if you were here last week, you heard the story of the Good Samaritan. And you found out that Jesus redefined what word? Neighbor. Remember, the lawyer asked, who's my neighbor? And Jesus completely redefines the word for the lawyer in the course of the story. So we find out that a lawyer, I mean that a neighbor is anyone. um, Anyone who needs help, who is near us or away from us or just any person at all. And I actually had somebody come up to me today and say that she had listened to the sermon and reached out to a couple neighbors. And I was like, wow, great. Um, So anyway, that was radical. That was a radical understanding for the Jewish nation, that a neighbor could be someone outside of your community, outside the Jewish law. So today we're going to encounter another radical, probably even a more radical example of Christ's love and what he is trying to teach. So as our story opens today, Jesus has arrived at the village of Bethany. This is where Mary and Martha live. And Martha invites Jesus in, into her home. Now, I got to tell you, in that time, you did not invite Jesus in without getting the 12 disciples. So Martha is not cooking for one person. She's got a whole slew of people in her house, and she probably has half the neighborhood trying to peek in and see what is happening. Who is this person that's come to town? What's he doing here? He's got a real following with him. What's Martha serving for dinner? I mean, there's... All of this is going on. All of this is going on. And so, we find that Martha is preparing dinner, and Mary, Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Mary is breaking all social conventions. Number one, women did not come into the main room unless to serve. Number two, they did not sit at the feet of a man, and there would have been other disciples around. So Mary is engaged in completely outrageous behavior. She's broken all the social conventions. In that century, in the first century, there were rooms in the house where the men went. That's the main room. They got the good room. There was the kitchen. Where? Guess where? Who was in the kitchen? All the women. And the only places that they intermingled 
would have been in sleeping quarters or outside where the children were playing. So Mary is sitting there breaking every social convention of the time. And Martha comes up and says to Jesus, Lord, are you not worried about me? I'm in the kitchen doing all the work. Send Mary to help. And Jesus replies, you know, Mary, Martha, you're worried about so many things. There's really only one thing to worry about, and Mary is doing it. She's sitting at my feet. Jesus has endorsed this behavior. Now, I'm going to tell you, by evening, that whole town knew Mary had broken all these social conventions. Word traveled fast in those first century small towns. But what is happening here? What is he saying? And there's two ways of looking at this story. We're going to look at a little bit of both ways. But the first one, and I read a lot of commentary. And in fact, I wrote a whole other sermon on this. So if you really want more sermon, I I can just pull out the second one when we get done here. But I realized that wasn't the way I was supposed to go. So, we're going to look at this in a different way. Commentators are very divided on how they interpret this passage. But one of my favorite commentators is N.T. Wright. And N.T. Wright says in his, passage, in his writing on this particular passage that sitting at the feet of Jesus Now, we're not talking about in front of Jesus where you might be just learning. But sitting, as this gospel tells us, at the feet of Jesus indicated a desire to become a rabbi. So, here is convention just blown off its feet. Because that's where Mary is sitting. She's sitting there taking in all of the things that Jesus has to say. Now, she isn't going to become a rabbi, per se. She's breaking convention. But who do you think she's hearing this for? She's going back in the kitchen to teach all the ones who weren't privileged to hear this. Mary is breaking the social conventions of the time. But... Something spectacular will happen within the women's reaction to Jesus because of it. She is absorbing the teaching so that she can pass them on. She will be a teacher in her own right. So, when Martha Martha comes in and says to Jesus, I could use a little help in the kitchen, Jesus. Is she really saying, will you get my sister out of this situation? I mean, she's breaking all the rules. She's not doing what she's supposed to do. And that is where we see, once again, the radical grace that Jesus is bringing into life. Who is my neighbor? It is everyone. Who can listen? 
who can be taught by the rabbi. Not just the men, but women are taking a leading role. And so we see what is happening here in a new way. Now, what I really would like to hear is Mary and Martha's conversation after Jesus leaves. (laughs) Because that would have been interesting. I mean, I doubt that Martha is quite over her uh, angst over Mary's behavior. And as I said, by now the whole neighborhood knows what Mary has done, so there's going to be a lot of discussion in the future. And I tend to agree, as I read the different commentators, that this is a much more powerful message. Jesus is breaking boundaries. He's being inclusive. He's bringing people in. But one thing that's interesting in the passage, well, there's a lot of interesting things in the passage, but as I read that very short passage, Jesus is announced as Lord three times in those few verses. Martha invites the Lord into her house. Mary sits at the Lord's feet. And the Lord says, in answer to Martha's question, Mary has chosen the better way. The better way. So it's a very interesting and significant passage. So, Now we're going to talk about another aspect of it, and that's the more common aspect of the passage. Martha, the doer, and Mary, the contemplative. Martha, the one that gets things done. Martha, the one that's cooking dinner for 13 people, plus anybody else that's managed to squeeze into the house. And Mary who seems oblivious to the fact that they have to serve this meal. So, where do you see yourself? Are you the contemplative, the quiet one that sits and reads and uh, listens and goes inside and hears the Lord? Or are you Martha? I've got to get things done. Let's move on. I was Martha when I wrote my first sermon. I thought I knew it all. Where I was supposed to go, I was getting this done. You know, I'm going on vacation. I don't have a lot of time. But it wasn't until I sat and really listened to the passage and understood differently, I became a little bit of a Mary. And so I canned the first sermon and rewrote it. Barb here is expecting one sermon because I told her I was preaching (laughs) distraction. And she's wondering when I'm going to get to it. But um, she'll have to come and meet me in my office. So, the reality is that society can't function without both, and particularly in the church, without the contemplative and without the people of action. We need them both. Without them, they don't get anything accomplished. Now, think about it this way. Right now... Just before we're leaving to go on vacation, we are also dog-sitting for a good shepherd puppy. Now, we have, I mean, not not a good shepherd. (laughs) For a golden retriever. 
This dog is not a good shepherd. He's not even a good follower. And we have our own golden retriever. And to walk them both for one person is a challenge. Because Addie, the visitor, does not like to be constrained. And so she's pulling you every which way you want to go. So look at it this way. I'm sitting, reading, and my husband says, Karen, how about coming and helping me walk the dogs? And I say, well, that sounds like fun, Charlie, but I think I'm just going to sit here with Jesus. (laughs) It is not going to play well. (laughs) It is not going to play well. We need both, and we need other contemplatives need to move into action, and our action people sometimes need to sit still and be contemplative. I'm working on contemplative because it's not my normal response. And lately I've been reading a lot of Richard Rohr, and he's very contemplative, and think about things, and listen, and listen. I'm still a baby on this journey, but I'm trying to do it every day, to just sit and listen. You see, it takes a lot of listening to really know what we're called to do. Most of us who are active people, who are just, we're Martha's. And we're out there and we just want to seize the day. Let's do it. Let's get it done. We don't need to pray about it. Let's just do it. And this scripture, I think, is very much calling us to realize we need to be both. We need to be willing to be quiet and listen. But we need to be willing to then get up and move into action. So, our spiritual journeys are very much a part of this. Praying and action. So, one of the things that has truly impressed me, number one, I love this church. I love each and every one of you. But I am in constant of our Marthas who get things done, who get the altar guild work done, who do the flowers, who make the schedules. But the reason I'm particularly awed by them is because they're not just Marthas. I know the depth of their spirituality. I know that they also are contemplatives, that they also pray and listen, and then they move into action. At the same time, we have our prayer warriors. And they don't just sit there and pray. They move into action, and they pray for each one in the community, and the community at large, but each one who has a problem, each one who has a need. I'm going to tell you a really simple story about one of our prayer warriors. 
I went to her when we were still in the chapel. And we were getting this dog, and we knew he was three and a half years old, and I didn't want a male dog. I wanted a female dog. And I was worried about what this dog was going to be like. And Deborah prayed for me on the Sunday before we picked up that dog. And if you've ever been in the office, you will know that I have the most wonderful dog in the world. This dog is the biggest blessing. He loves every single person. He is gentle. He's big. We call him the gentle giant. But she moved into action and prayed over a very trivial matter, but a big matter on my heart. You can't be a prayer warrior and just pray. You've got to move that into action. And that's what happens to... um, That's what happens here. It's what has really come through very clearly that this church is unique. It's special. It's engaged. It's there for each other. So, it seems to me right now where we are that putting these two, Mary and Martha, together is the call for this church at this time. You see, we are on a journey. We are on a journey that we don't know exactly where we're going to end up. But we're trusting and praying that exactly the right things are going to happen to make this journey work, to bring us to the place that we need to be. Now, that takes action. That's why we're meeting after the service, and we're talking about what people think that they need, what the church needs. But it also takes the prayer of each one individually as they realize, well, I'm not probably going to get every one of my needs met, that I'm going to have to embrace some other people's. So this journey that the passage calls us on is very much lived out in this Mary and Martha sphere that we grow in prayer and we grow in service to one another. We're planning for the future, but we can do a lot of praying and we can do a lot of planning, but then there comes the time that we have to step out in faith. And make decisions. See, we're all called right now to be Mary's and Martha's. And I am so blessed to be on this journey with you and to see this church in action. So stay for the question and answer period that's going to be going on. Everybody's opinion and idea is important. And the future of this church is important. It's important to each of us, but it's also important to God. It's even important to the diocese. But mostly, but mostly, it's important to us. Amen.